Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Michelle Foray and Bridget Spackman, and we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. Today's episode is going to be different, but in the best way possible. We are going to be answering some of your top questions. Get it? Top time management, organization, productivity. (laughs) Now, Bridget and I reached out to you all on Instagram and we wanted to know what questions you had. And we were overwhelmed again in the best way possible by all of your questions. So instead of doing a single Q&A episode, we did decide to break this into three separate episodes. So in today's episode, we're going to focus only on those time management questions. Yes. And absolutely, guys, before we jump into that, we first want to share a TSH from Michelle who says, my TSH is getting buried by all the little tasks. Those two minute things that they add up and suck away any time I have to get projects planned and completed. Michelle, I totally understand you on this. I think a lot of the times we have a tendency to underestimate or either overestimate how much certain things are going to end up taking us. I know for me personally, I was always in that really bad habit of saying, okay, I'm going to work really, really hard and I'm going to try to get this done in an hour. When in reality, it was more of a two or three hour job. But I was just trying to put that pressure on me because I felt as though if I worked super hard, I could get it done. So I think that's always a really big thing is having to kind of be realistic when it comes to what are the tasks and how long is it going to um, take for me to complete it. Yeah. And just to clarify, this is not me. This is a different Michelle. Oh, yes. I'm <laughs> Hi, so Michelle. <laughs> so I definitely have experienced this also. And I think what has helped me is having a dedicated time during the day. And in our previous episode or two episodes ago, we mentioned block scheduling. So I might pick out one block during the day. Maybe it's my morning block where I will do some of those small tasks that only take two or three minutes rather than doing them throughout the day. I feel like if I can get them all done during one block, I don't have to worry about it during my other blocks and it allows me to be more productive. So guys, we are going to go ahead and jump in and we're going to begin answering your questions. Now, we are trying to kind of structure this in a way that makes sense. So we had an overwhelming response um, with us kind of asking, what questions do you guys have? A lot of you have a lot of questions. So I think what we've decided is that we're going to organize it just based on time management for this episode. And then we're going to save some of the other questions that fit under organization and then another one for productivity a little bit later on. So that way we can hopefully answer as many questions as possible um, and then really kind of make it organized in a way that allows people to come back and really kind of say, oh, this is like the time management Q&A that they're doing. So hopefully it makes sense for you guys. All right, I'm going to jump in with the first question. So this was asked by Miss Brittany Doyle. She asked, how do you balance your time away from school with schoolwork on extended breaks? So Bridget, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I think it really kind of depends on what's going on. Um, I know in, like we said, about two episodes ago, we talk about seasons in life, right? Um, I think it really kind of depends on your season in life as far as what do you have? What are the circumstances that you have going on? What are you going to be doing during some of those extended breaks? Um, But also really depends on what is it that you want to accomplish whenever you go back to school? There were, I remember there was one year, guys, I felt like I spent the majority of my break really working on these individualized schedule. It It was the first year that we had the MAC team. Now, 
I probably would never do that again, but it was really a necessity at that point in time because we weren't meeting the needs of our students. So a lot of my time kind of got sucked away, um, but it was all for good reason because when we came back, we hit it, you know, we hit the ground running and and we did a great job that year. Um, So really, I think it just kind of depends on where you are. What are the goals that you really have? Um, What do you want to be able to accomplish? And you just kind of, kind of, you have to balance it. You have to ask those really hard questions and say, you know, what am I going to give up? I think a lot of the time everybody always asks us, Michelle, like, what, you know, how are you, how do you do it all? We don't do it all, guys. Like, that's, that's the big thing. You know, we, you only see see bits and pieces of our lives, but you don't notice that we have to give up, you know, that dinner with that, that family that came in to stay from out of town or that we didn't get to go on that vacation. So, we don't do it all. We have to kind of pick and choose and decide what's going to help us reach our goals. I think that's a really good point about the seasons of life, because as you were saying that, Bridget, in my head, I was reflecting on how the way that I've spent my summers every year has kind of been different. I mean, I remember my first summer as a teacher, I was working a second job because I needed extra income. And then the summer after that is when I started YouTube. And then the summer after that, I was like really big into YouTube and really big into TPT. And then, you know, last summer, I was focusing a lot on grad school. This summer, honestly, I'm focusing on me. I'm not doing a lot of work because I've been there. I've done that. And I'm proud of the work I did. I'm happy I sacrificed at the time to be able to get to where I am now. But this summer, I'm like, I'm focusing on going to the gym. I'm focusing on going to the beach and I'm focusing on doing things that truly make me happy outside of work because doing work does make me happy. Don't get me wrong, but I'm trying to focus on those other things that make me happy. So you have to really look at what right now is your priority. What are your goals and what actions do you need to take in the summer in order to reach those goals? And I think it also depends on the amount of time because you said extended breaks. I mean, I think about our winter break, which is a little bit less than two weeks. I don't like to do a lot of work because I really need that time to refresh. But in the summer, because it's longer, I have that time to refresh. And then I'm like, all right, I'm ready to kind of work again. And it's just a matter of finding what works for you and your goals at the time. Absolutely. So our next question is going to be from, I'm going to do my best. So (laughs) sorry, guys. Good luck on this one. Arustimage one is what I'm going to go with. So uh, that question is, have you got any tips for not working too much during quarantine? Schedule, have a schedule and stick to it. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) that was the best decision that I made during the time in quarantine. Now, obviously my time in quarantine, it wasn't just me staying at home on the couch all day. I was working from home, meaning teaching from home. Plus I was my school's e-coach. So I had a lot going on with that and trying to support teachers. Plus I was finishing grad school and I had a lot going on. And for me, what worked really well was having a schedule and knowing, okay, during this chunk of time, I'm going to focus on teaching. During this chunk of time, I'm going to focus on grad school or some of my other responsibilities. And then during this chunk of time, I'm going to relax. I think Bridget and I have both discussed this before and our evening time, like before dinner until we go to bed, we try not to work because we get our work done earlier in the day so that we have that time for ourselves. And when you build that in every single day, I think it really cuts down on that overwhelm because even midday, if I'm a little bit overwhelmed and a little
little bit stressed, at least in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, but I get to go to the gym in the few hours and then I get to make dinner and then I get to watch the prices right and I get to take a shower and I get to relax. And that ends up having me just feel a lot better. Yeah. And I just want to add in that, that having, you know, batching or that block scheduling that we um, talk quite often about on our podcast is also really, really beneficial. Like I know for me, I have certain days that I only focus on grad school or I have certain days where I'm really focusing on bridging literacy. So it really kind of depends and that allows my brain to stay a little bit more focused. Um, and I have certain goals, certain things that I, and I think it's like that powerless too, right, Michelle? Like we have kind of our top three things that we really want to make sure that we accomplish for the day. And and then once I have that done, like I feel good and I'm just, I take the rest of the day off so that I don't work too much. Yeah, I agree. The power list is essential for that. So the next question is from the caffeinated candid classroom. She asks, how do you make the best use of your planning time? We have 40 minutes a day. I stay away from other teachers. <laughs> <laughs> the truth um, comes out. Yeah, I stay away from other teachers. I think that that's probably my biggest thing is that I don't want to get sucked into talking with teachers and then not getting any work accomplished. Um, but I also set up very specifically what are some of the things that I need to get accomplished every single day to be able to leave Friday ready for the next week of school. So for instance, I know that on Mondays, I'm going to plan my morning meetings because that's super easy. I think it's a great, easy way to kind of ease into the week. So during that time, that's all I'm doing is I'm planning that. And then on Tuesday, I might go ahead and start planning my math lessons and making sure that those resources are up, you know, up and ready to go. And so I have very specific um, tasks that I need to accomplish on that day. And that helps me to stay a little bit more focused. I also utilize a lot of checklists, like routine checklists. I have like an AM checklist, a PM checklist, but I also have one that I do during my break time. And that allows me to just make sure that I'm hitting all the things that I need to hit so that by four o'clock I'm able to go home. Yeah, I would definitely say have a plan for your planning time. And I know that sounds like overkill because you're thinking, well, the whole point of my planning time is so that I can plan things out. But you truly have to go into that time already with a plan so that you're not wasting time trying to decide what to do or trying to prioritize and figure out what has to be done first. If you go into it already with a game plan, it's going to end up saving you a lot of time. Think about when you go to the grocery store. I don't know about you all, but I've had those times where I go in and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to wing it. I'm just going to grab stuff and figure it out later. And no doubt it ends up taking me twice as long as it would if I went in with a planned out grocery list because I'm just aimlessly walking the aisles and I end up forgetting things and having to go back. And then I get home and I literally just have a big basket of, of snacks. Like I don't even have actual meals and it's because I didn't plan ahead of time. So take that 10, 15 minutes ahead of time, plan out what you're going to get accomplished, which you might even use the last 10 minutes of your planning time the day before in order to plan out your planning for the next day. That way, when you go into it, you can work that entire time. And like Bridget said, try not to get sucked into those conversations and you'll be amazed how much time you end up saving. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is truly a huge one. And I think, Michelle, going back to you just kind of closing the door, like Michelle has a tendency to close the door on like to signal to people, hey, I'm really busy right now. I cannot talk. I think that's a really great way to kind of tell teachers or tell the people around you, I'm not trying to be rude. I just need to be able to get some work done so that I can have my life in the afternoon. 
So our next question comes from Hoth018. And uh, the question is, how do you find the balance between planning ahead and being flexible? Honestly, I feel like when I plan ahead, it's a lot easier to be flexible. I kind of think about it as having a roadmap. So that roadmap is you planning ahead. Like you have a course, you know, I'm going to take this road and this road and this road. Now that doesn't mean when I actually get on the road that I'm going to do that path exactly how I had it planned, right? Like I might take a detour or I might have to take a detour because there's construction or maybe I need to go get gas and that's okay. But then after I get my gas or after I take that detour, I get right back onto that roadmap that I had and I follow it and it makes it easier. So keep in mind when you plan something, you're not saying it has to go exactly this way. You're just saying, hey, this would be great if it worked out this way. And if it doesn't, that's okay. I can make adjustments, but this at least gives me something to build off of. And when I think about like actually planning out lessons, I typically plan the progression of lessons and I know, okay, once my students have mastered this skill, then we can move on to this. And once they have, you know, the concrete, we can move to that more abstract. I'm thinking in terms of like mathematics, but that doesn't mean that all of my kids are going to progress at the same rate. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to spend only one day on each lesson. I might have to adjust the time, but at least when my students get there, I already know where I need to take them after that. That's my plan. Yeah. And guys, you kind of have to think of it. Anything that we do in life is going to have some sort of a progression, just like Michelle said, right? When we are, when we're born, we have a progression into how we start to learn how to walk and run. When we ride a bike, you know, we're not automatically going to start, you know, doing the crazy like tricks of, you know, whatever it's like dirt biking, whatever it is, you're not going to automatically start doing that. You have that progression. It's the same thing in education. What we teach is not going to change unless there is a massive change in the standards that you're going to teach, but you're already going to know what those are, you know, before school, hopefully before school even starts. But you, what you teach is not going to change. What changes is how you present the information. So if you already have that progression laid out, like Michelle said, if you already have an idea of the resources that you're going to use, you can make modifications here and there based off of the needs of your students. But when you have that just outlined and done again, it, it does make it so much more easy to be flexible and to add in different lessons here and there. And I really like this idea of, you know, planning out far ahead as well, because it gives you your end. It tells you where you're going to end up going. I know one of the really big problems with curriculum is that we don't typically plan with that end. We don't really say, okay, well, what is going to be, what do I need them to do at the very, very end of this unit? How long is it going to take me to get to this unit? Or what's the projected amount of time for, you know, average of how long it's going to take for my students to get there. When we don't have that end, we just keep going. We find cute stuff on Pinterest. We see something interesting on Instagram. And so automatically we're like throwing in these random lessons that aren't connecting and they don't really make sense. So having that long plan really does allow you to be a little bit more flexible, but it also keeps you on track, which is important. Yeah, I love that. I definitely think that having that, like you said, that end in mind is going to allow you to be more flexible along the way. So our next question is from Jamie Sloan 14, my lucky number. (laughs) She says, how to spend less time grading, but still have a fair and accurate number of grades for report cards? So I think the biggest trick 
when it comes to grading, and this is something that I learned, is to already have the answer key ready to go. And I feel as though a lot of the times we just kind of assume or we kind of grade without an answer key and we just kind of have to read that question over and over and over again. If when you are planning your lesson, you need to go ahead and plan the answer key as you plan the lesson. By doing that, I think it saves so much more time and you're more efficient as you're going in and doing your grades. At least that's what really has worked for me. And I find time. Like they're a little bit of, like, at the beginning of a meeting. Like how long have you been sitting there like chit-chatting with a friend on something absolutely ridiculous when you could be spending that five minutes like grading, you know, three or four papers? Yeah, no, I I always carry like a stack of, of papers, especially papers that are quick and easy to grade. Like I'm thinking little check for understandings and things like that. I always have them with me. Now, I have been really thinking about like in terms of education, kind of this framework of, of how do we save ourselves time? And I realized it comes down to three quick steps. Number one, plan, which we've already kind of talked about the planning aspect. Number two is template. So using some kind of template so you're not recreating the wheel. And then number three is batch. So when it comes to grading, when you plan your grading, that means you're deciding ahead of time what you're going to grade. You should not be grading everything. I have my students do an exit ticket almost every day in math just so I can see who understood the lesson and who needs help. I don't always grade it. In fact, I seldomly grade it, but I will take and I'll just organize it into three different piles. So that way I know, hey, these kids need reteaching. These kids just need a little bit more practice and these kids need some enrichment. And it could even be coming up with like what date you're going to have the assignment graded by. So if it is something you're going to grade, put a sticky note on it with the date that you want to have it graded by. When it comes to templates for grading, Bridget already mentioned the answer key. And I do think that's super important, especially for something if it is multiple choice or if it's more like math computation based answer keys will save you so much time. But there's other things that you can do template wise when grading in order to save time. For example, if this is an assignment that you're actually creating, um, because I know personally, like I create little check for understandings, whatever, and I just print them out, you can actually go ahead and put up in the corner the total number of points that it'll be out of. So you can type on there like blank slash four if it's out of four points or blank slash 10. That way you don't have to put slash 10 or slash four on every kid's paper. It's already on there for you. I know for us with math, we have two different areas that we grade, computational skills and problem solving. And some assignments, we will grade part of it for one area and part of it for the other. And it is a pain to sit there and write it out and say, well, you got this grade on problem solving and you got this grade on computational skills. So if it's an assignment that I'm actually creating, I will type that already on the paper for me. And if it's not something that you can type on, because I understand some of us have curriculum that we're not able to manipulate in any way, you can actually get a custom stamp. So if you go on Amazon, you can find custom stamps. They're not expensive and you can type exactly what you want it to be. So I'm thinking about... Um, like writing, if there's certain comments that you're constantly putting on your students' writing assignments, which takes time, create a stamp where you can just stamp it on there. Or if you have students with IEPs and you're writing down what accommodations they used, create a stamp for that student that has a list of their accommodations, stamp it on their paper, and just check off which ones they used for that assignment. Over time, even though it's only a couple of seconds here and a couple of seconds there, it does end up saving a lot of time. Okay, move on to the next question. That was a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I really 
really, really enjoyed that. And I think the biggest thing that I, I really liked from your answer there, Michelle, is the fact that you mentioned, um, I lost my train of thought. Give me a second. You mentioned in there about not having, not grading everything. And to me, that's really important. And if you go back to kind of our last question, when we talked about planning ahead, that's going to be a really critical piece and talking about like, what are all of the assignments that we're going to end up grading here? Because I know some teachers in reading, they'll have four things a day to grade. Um, and especially when we were doing distance learning, it's like, why are you doing that to yourself? Holy moly. Like you don't need four things. Like, you know, they're either going to get it or they're not going to get it. It's one or the other. You don't need to have so many different items. And I think things as simple as, you know, like three questions, three little questions that are easy to grade, they either get it or they don't. You don't need to have 25 questions in order to determine whether or not a student understands something. So I think that was my biggest takeaway there. Okay, so the next question comes from Edgar780. Um, and Edgar says, what time management tips do you have for a student working on his BA during quarantine? So I'm going to throw out some tough love, okay? And I feel like we all just need to hear it. This time in quarantine is a very unique situation. And I understand that with that comes a lot of anxiety and, you know, a lot of uncertainty. And I get that we have some feelings with that that we have to work through. And I understand, especially when this first started happening, that we may not have been as productive because we were so focused on, well, am I going to keep my job or am, am I going to be able to go to the grocery store? Am I going to be able to go out in public? Like we had all of these thoughts in our head. However, at some point you have to realize I can't just keep creating excuses. Like I have to work through them because this situation is going on longer than we thought and I have to adapt to it. Like this is survival of the fittest. I have to adapt. And honestly, this time in quarantine, it is a blessing. And I know it may be hard to look at it that way because there are so many factors that are not positive about it. But this time where we are literally forced to stay at home and we don't have as many distractions because we're not being asked to go out to dinner or go out and do this or that, we're literally at home. This is the optimal time to be able to power through and get stuff done. And I'm not just saying this to say it. I'm saying it because I, I lived this. This was my experience. When quarantine first happened, it was kind of like, oh, great, I get to have a break. And then eventually it's like, all right, this is going on longer than I thought. So how can I use this to benefit me? And even though I was teaching online and the e-coach and all these other things, you know what? I was able to power through and get grad school done. And it's because I realized this opportunity doesn't come very often where I'm literally at home. I can't go out anywhere. I have limited distractions. I need to maximize this time. So my biggest tip is just look at this as an opportunity. Don't look at it as something negative or something that's causing you stress or anxiety. Look at it as an opportunity and figure out how you can maximize that opportunity in order to get what you want, which in this case is a degree. So that might mean setting aside certain timeframes during the day where you're going to sit your butt down and you're going to work and that's going to be it. You're going to get it done. And it you can't have excuses. Like I, I understand we all have those moments where we need self-care and everything else. And I get it. But I do think that 
there are times where we create excuses for ourselves and we make it seem like, oh, like, oh, well, I'm tired. Well, guess what? We're all tired. Okay. But how bad do you really want it? Because if you want it bad enough, then you will power through that excuse. And instead of making excuses, you're going to make improvements. Ooh, I'm sorry. I Why just don't you to just tell it. us how you really feel, Michelle? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but I just... I feel like during this time, people are almost on two different spectrums. They're looking at it as just like, well, there's nothing I can do. And then there's the right. people who say, you know what? I can. I, I have power over this situation and I'm going to make the most of it. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, you have to really ask yourself, what is it that I want to make the most of this time? How am I going? Like you said, how am I going to make the most of this time? What are those goals that I really want to be able to accomplish? If your BA at the end of the day is the thing that you want to walk out of quarantine with. Like literally, I can just imagine it like, ha, like a sun, like the clouds part, sun is shining. You are walking out of your house. Boom, certificate in your hand. You have your mouth like that's great. And if that's what you want it to be, then do it. But if you have other things that are different priority, then you need to kind of, you can't juggle and say that I'm going to do all the things at the same time, right? And I will be very open with you guys and kind of tell you my little story. I think I told Michelle, I said, Michelle, girl, I'm going to get my master's done by the end of September. Did I not say that to you? Yes, you did. I did. I said that. I was like, I'm going to get my master's done by the end of September. It's going to feel great. That's going to be like, boom, I'm finished. And then I had an opportunity to come up. And I can't share the opportunity, but I had an opportunity to come up over the summer. And I was like, man, Michelle, should I do this? And she was like, you're dumb if you don't. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) I got it. So she didn't say that. It wasn't those exact words. But I give multiple people my tough love. It's not just you all. It's also uh (laughs) yeah, all the time, guys, all the time. And so she's like, so I said, okay, fine. I'm going to take the opportunity. So I'm doing the opportunity. However, I'm doing this opportunity, but I've also made a commitment to a lot of different other people that are relying on me for bridging literacy units. And so I told myself I was going to have three units up for fourth, fifth and sixth grade by the end of the summer, because I know there are people out there that are wanting to implement this. And I want them to to see how bridging literacy can really change the instruction that they're giving to their students. So with all of this said, at the end, I could not physically tell myself I can do it all. I can do grad school by the end of September. I can do, you know, the opportunity and I can do, you know, the units. If that is, if this situation is what you're kind of having with like mine, you have to give something up. Like you can't do all the things. Let's just be honest. Like it's not possible unless you are Edward Cullen and you can stay up in the middle of the night and you have supersonic like fast speed to be able to get things accomplished, then great. But last time I checked, vampires are not real so you have to get sleep and I get cranky when I don't sleep so (laughs) it's true I can uh, confirm that I feel like I'm going on a huge tangent but I think at the end of the day if that's what you want to have accomplished if that's the goal that you want to have then just do it stop making excuses just like Michelle said and you need to get it done you have to determine what is my priority here? What do I want to be able to say that I got done by the end of this? And to take that and run with it. But also don't overwhelm yourself to the point like me where I have like three gigantic freaking projects that I don't feel like I can get done all in the summer. So you have to kind of, it's a juggling act. Life is literally a juggling act. Sometimes you're going to get, you know, one is going to be, you know, in your hands and then the other one's going to be kind of up in the air and then it's going to kind of shift and change. So, and that's okay too. 
So that goes perfectly with the next questions. But first, I just wanted to say I'm happy that you mentioned priorities because notice Bridget didn't say, well, I'm not going to finish grad school by September because I'm choosing to sit and watch Netflix and I'm choosing to be a bump on a pickle. Like, no. A bump on a pickle. (laughs) I say that to my kids all the time. If they're sitting in class just like daydreaming, I'm like, you're not a bump on a pickle. Like, come on, let's go. (laughs) And they always crack up about it. But, you know, she's sacrificing that to be able to do something else big. And your priorities don't have to be work, okay? I'm choosing this summer to really focus on me and I want to get my fitness in check. I want to like I want to be the best version of myself this summer, not in terms of getting the most work done, but just being the best me that I can be. So, you know, keep in mind it's about prioritizing. Your priority doesn't have to be work, but if it is, just get it done. Okay. Yeah. So, I'm going to actually give you two questions, Bridget, but they totally are basically the same question, just worded differently. Okay. So the first one is from Allie underscore Malone four. You seem very involved in school and other things. How do you balance it? And then the second one is from Waj Williams four. How do you make time for your podcast, TPT, et cetera, businesses on top of teaching? It is truly a balancing act. Um, I think Michelle and I have talked a lot about this over the course of all the episodes that we've done so far. There are definitely days where we feel incredibly successful in our business, but then we feel um, really inadequate. Um, Like we're really just failing on the other ends of our personal lives. Uh, And to be honest, all of it comes with sacrifices. All of it kind of comes with um, providing my best in certain areas and just knowing that I'm going to struggle in this other area. And that's okay because soon it's going to end and it's going to shift. And then I'm going to be able to give my all, you know, to my family where I can let my business kind of fly under the radar for just a little bit. And... uh, for us, it, it really is just about kind of determining, all right, so what am I really going to focus on? What is going to be that thing that I really just want to make sure that I am giving my all to? And sometimes that's us giving back to our families. Sometimes that's us throwing ourselves into our business or grad class or whatever it is that we're doing. Um, but I, again, I feel like I cannot say this enough that social media is such a lie because it, it really does only give you bits and pieces of somebody's life. You don't see everything else. You see all the really good things. You see all the highlights or all the sad moments or, or you know, it can really your perception of what our lives are is your perception and it's not accurate because you're not living it. And so you have to kind of keep that in mind that, yeah, why we might seem like we are super involved. I can tell you, I gave up a lot of stuff at my school and I had to throw back and say, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm not going to be able to go and participate in this after school activity. I'm not going to be able to go to that fundraiser. I'm not going to be able to do this because I knew that there were greater things that I really wanted to make sure that I accomplished that year. And so I told myself, that's okay that you're going to kind of step back for a minute. It doesn't make me a horrible person. It doesn't mean that I'm an awful teacher. It doesn't mean that I'm a terrible mom because I'm not giving my all to my children. I will tell you guys, my mom worked two jobs. She struggled and I barely saw my mother as a young child and I came out perfect. I am ideal. Like I am the best that I could possibly be. I am joking with that, but she really did work very, very hard. But it doesn't make us awful. (laughs) Like you have to kind of... No one's sitting there judging. Well, there probably are some very mean people that are sitting there judging you on everything. But those people are icky and we don't like them. And so what we're really thinking about are kind of you're kind of 
putting the pressures on yourself and you just have to be okay with the fact that you're not going to be doing it all. Um, so I, I feel like, again, it's just that it's that balancing act of determining, you know, what is the what is the one thing that I really want to focus on? What is my driving force? What do I want to accomplish? And for me um, right now, I had to let go of grad school for a little bit because I knew that I had this greater purpose at the moment. And my greater purpose is me working on my business. And so I'm devoting a lot of time to it. And that's all right. And I give time to my boys and we do things. And there are certain days every once in a while where I'm like, all right, I'm not going to do any work today. I'm just going to spend time with my kids and I'm just going to hang out and we're going to go and do fun stuff. And we do fun stuff. But at the same time, and I'm going to speak to parents out there, at the same time, I don't want my boys to be raised thinking that every day is a hoot nanny. Okay, <laughs> it's not because I, I, let's just be honest. Some days are boring. Some days we don't have anything to do. Some days it's okay to just sit and read and not have like a television on or, you know, that we're outside and we're all doing some great fun. Th- it, it's not a flipping movie. Okay. And that's okay. And so I don't want them to be raised in this world where they are in constant entertainment. I am not, I'm not a clown. All right. I did not have kids to be a clown. I am not going to constantly entertain my children. They have to learn to entertain themselves and to do things that are just peaceful. And that's okay. I'm sorry. I went on a tangent. You did a little bit, but it's okay. It was good. Um, I think it's important to remember that Balance doesn't mean everything always being equal. Balance is a sliding scale. And that might mean some days you put more energy and time into one aspect of your life, or that might be a whole week where you're putting more energy into one area, or that might be a whole month, or that might even be a whole year. I'm going to be fully transparent with you because Bridget, you know, mentioned how sometimes we focus in really hard on one area and then we feel like we're failing in another. So when I was working on getting my master's for the past, like, I guess it took me about a year and a half. Now that was a year and a half on top of like teaching full time and doing all of the other things that I do. During that year, I really put my kind of fitness and my health to the side. Now, I was still going to the gym, but my diet was out of control. I was eating whatever I wanted. I was stress eating a lot, which is something I've always done. And during that time frame, I put on probably about 15 pounds. And it's funny because, you know, you always hear like the freshman 15 when you're an undergrad. I did not experience that, but I did experience it when I was getting my master's. And during that time... I just, I had to do that because I I didn't want to have to focus on my health and everything else. I wanted to focus on grad school. But guess what? Now that grad school's done, for the past several weeks, I have been focusing on my health. And I've now lost that 15 pounds that I had put on. And it's because my focus shifted. And it's okay to have your balance be a sliding scale. It's okay to have your balance shift. Your focus during the summer should be very different than your focus during the fall or during the spring or during the winter. Like, Like Bridget has mentioned before, we have these seasons of our lives and therefore our quote unquote balance during that time is going to look very different. And like she said, if it looks like we're doing all the things, we're really not. Okay, (laughs) we might be killing it in our business, but we might feel like a really crappy wife or fiance or mom or cat mom in my case. Like it may appear like someone is doing all of the things, but I guarantee you underneath the surface, that is not reality. Okay, 
let's go ahead and move on to the next one, Bridget. Yeah, let's do the next one. So the next question is from teach with underscore Mrs. Guire. I think I said that right. (laughs) And the question is, how do I have my students have good time management, but still do well in class? I really like this question. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think teaching them time management skills will improve their performance in class. You know what I mean? Um, I think by them understanding how to better manage their time, they're going to be better students. They're going to be more responsible. They're going to make sure they're getting their work done. And it's it's little things. I personally love to use timers in class because I know it works for me. And I think it also helps build those time management skills for my students. So I might be pulling a small group, I might set a timer for 20 minutes. And my students have certain things that they know they have to get done during that time. And I have a nice big timer that I display up on my board. That way they can kind of learn how to manage their time. And I typically implement something called ketchup and pickles on Fridays. So basically ketchup means you have to catch up on work and pickles means you get to pick a fun activity. And that's their incentive to get their work done throughout the week. Because guess what? If they were fiddle farting around and they didn't get their work done, then they're going to be ketchup instead of pickles on Friday. And they're going to have to do work while some of their classmates are getting to choose more fun activities. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is that a lot of what we are teaching um, through our podcast, kids can learn. I mean, if we think about top three, I implement, uh, or the power list, I implement that in my classroom. So I have my students sit down and they have to write down the three things that they're going to accomplish that day during class. And so if they don't get those three things accomplished, then they're going to have to take it home and do it for homework. But teaching kids those little time management tricks, now we're not going to expect them to do all the things, obviously, but getting them started with something small But getting them started with those little tips and tricks of how to start managing their time now is really going to help them and be really beneficial as they get older. Because let's be honest, a lot of adults out there don't even have time management skills. So it's important that we start that really young. Yeah, I agree. So next question, and we're going to literally, it says top tips, so we're going to only give our top tips. We're each going to give one tip. So this is from Baker underscore girl underscore 91. Top tip for first year teachers to establish work life balance. I start my first job in August. So think back to your first year teacher self if you had to give one tip for establishing work life balance. One tip to establish work life balance. Set a cutoff time. Um, And what I mean is that at a certain point, you have to tell yourself, I need to go home and go home. Um, And you need to understand that as a first year teacher, and I think this was was really, really difficult when I first started um, my teaching career, is I felt like I have to do all the things and I had to do all the things really, really well. And I learned very quickly that I needed to let go of a lot of it. And that was going to be okay. And something that I think now after teaching so many years at this point, I think I'm on nine years at this time. But after teaching for nine years, it's like, okay, I know deep down it's going to get done. How it gets done? Don't know. When it gets done? don't really know, but I know it's going to get done. And so it's not going to do me any good by 
staying here really, really late and making myself incredibly drained or, you know, worrying about all of the little things because at the end of the day, I know that it's going to get done. I agree wholeheartedly. You cannot do everything your first year or your second year or your third year or 10th year or any of the years, honestly. So my best tip would be to focus on just one area your first year to really prioritize because that's what balance comes down to. It's priorities and it's that shifting scale of what is your priority at that time. For your first year, I would recommend classroom management because that's got to come first. You're not going to be able to effectively teach your kids if you cannot establish that classroom community and the management within your classroom. So I would say your first year, really prioritize classroom management. And then each year after that, choose a subject area to really focus on and have that be your priority and do everything you can professional development wise in order to grow in that area. And then it's going to seem a lot less overwhelming. Man, we just gave two little nuggets of gold, guys. Seriously, we did. (laughs) Okay, so moving on to the next question is from Heath Knoll 34. Can you go over creating a schedule for your planning to be more productive? I personally would say to divide up however many days of planning that you have per week. I know there's a later question that gets into this, but like personally, I have four days of planning per week. So take those days and figure out that number of big tasks that you have to do. So for me, if I had to break my planning into four big areas, it might be sitting down as a team to actually decide like the progression of the lessons and all of that. It might be sitting down and creating the slides that I'm going to use to teach. It might be creating all of my copies that I'm going to need. And then it might be creating any other materials, such as if I need to laminate cards or cut things apart and, and, breaking those into each different day. Um, If you teach multiple subjects, so this next year, I only teach math and science, so it's easier for me to do that. If you teach multiple subjects, you might break it down so each day you're focusing on planning a different subject. So basically, you're finding a way to batch either by subject or by type of task. I'm just going to say in here that we did an absolutely incredible, and I say that because I'm a little biased, but we did an incredible job on episode 007, which is lesson planning like a pro. And in there, I think we give some fantastic tips on how to truly plan everything out that leaves it very productive. And at the end of the week, you're going to be done and you're going to be prepared for the next week. So that's going to be my tip is just to go back and listen to episode 007, lesson planning like a pro. Nice plug, Bridget. I appreciate that. (laughs) Next question is from Arthur underscore Dynasty. Do you recommend planning your entire week ahead of time or preparing day to day? So it's very interesting that this question is here because I, uh, when I first started in the district that I'm in, we are kind of a mass customized district. And so we focus a lot about personalizing the education of our students. And there is someone that said, if I can't plan today what I don't know what my students can do, right? I I can't plan if I don't know what my students are able to be to be able to do. Um, And at the beginning, I was like, oh, man, that that, that makes so much sense. And I'm very, very fortunate in the fact that I don't actually have to like write out my lessons. Um, But I have to say that over this time period of me just kind of figuring everything out when it came to multi-age and came to all three grade levels, I have realized more than anything nowadays is that 
I want to have a plan. I need to have it completely planned out. I need to have all the lessons, kind of the progression of where it's going to go. I need to have it all planned out. Um, So I am not just a prepare for the week ahead. I am a prepare for as long as I can for that unit. So I think more so in unit terms versus week terms. And by doing that, it allows me to identify like, what is it that kind of, where do I want my kids to be able to be at the very end of this unit? What do they need to be able to accomplish? How do all of these pieces kind of connect into this big puzzle? Because I want it to flow. I want it to make sense. And I want it to have a very natural progression to it. I don't want it to feel like it's kind of like a little ping pong ball going all over the place. So I plan by a unit and that allows me to, I think in one of the questions that we had, be a little bit more flexible, right? So I have that flexibility in there to be able to make changes, add in lessons where I need to add in lessons, make the accommodations that I need to make. But I know that, you know, my students are going to get to this end point. How they get to that end point um, might look a little bit different for everyone, but at least I have the progression. I have resources available for me to use. um, So I'm not kind of doing everything at the last minute. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of planning out like a week at a time um, or in Bridget's case, like a unit at a time because you cannot batch if you're planning day to day. Trust me, I have had years where I was planning day to day. And you know what? In that year, it's just what I had to do. But it was not the most efficient strategy because I was going to the copier every single day or I was sitting down and trying to create slides every single day. It's so much easier to sit down and create a week's worth of slides or go to the copier and create a week's worth of copies at one time instead of going back and forth every single day trying to do that. So I definitely recommend planning out as far in advance as you can because it's going to end up saving you time. Awesome answer. I loved it. Next question is from Teaching with Positivity. And this question says, how do you manage to plan time for other obligations besides teaching? So for example, YouTube. I think it's all about creating that routine. And obviously we've talked about balance and it's a sliding scale and we've talked about schedules and block scheduling and all of that. But honestly, what helps is getting into a routine. I remember when I first started YouTube, this is back when my videos would go up on Saturdays. Now they're on Sundays. But I remember I would film all week because I was doing weekly vlogs. So I'd film Monday through Friday. Friday afternoon, I would get off of school. I would grab some Subway on my way home because I didn't want to cook. I would sit my bottom down on the couch and I would be editing until like 3 a.m., which back at that time, Billy was working like the night shift at a hotel. So it actually worked out because he like wouldn't be home. And I would then go to bed from like three until 6.30. I would get up, make sure my video uploaded correctly and everything was squared away. And I literally repeated that process every single Friday afternoon for close to a year. And yes, that meant a lot of sacrifices, in some cases sleep, in other cases social events. But it was what I needed to do to be able to achieve the success that I wanted to achieve. And honestly, it did get easier though once I got into that routine. So I think just find a routine that works for you and your priorities at the time and make sure that you continually do it so that it's not even something you have to think about. It's just something that you're gonna do because it's part of your routine. Yeah, I would kind of add in that it's really all about kind of identifying um, all of the things that you want to be able to accomplish, right? So um, my husband actually had me do this exercise a little while back when I was feeling very, very stressed. But we list out we listed out all of the things that I really needed to be able to do, 
right? When it came to my business, to grad school, to, you know, teaching and to being a mom, you know, all of that. And then I really just had to prioritize. I prioritized things. I kind of started batching things that kind of made sense in certain days. And I just followed that routine and that schedule that I had for myself. And that was a huge game changer for me. Um, And then at the end of the day, you just kind of have to commit it to yourself. Like, I feel like we can sit here and we can tell you all of the things that you can do in order to make it successful, but it's all going to fall on your shoulders. And if you don't kind of take those steps to move forward and to go ahead and put it into practice and to stick to it and, you know, to be consistent, then we really can't really help you at that point. It's that tough love. I mean, I feel like we're given a lot of it right now, but it is true. You you have to really commit to yourself to want to do these things. And when you are committed to that, then that's when you're going to start seeing those changes. And when you have those little bitty successes along the way, it's going to motivate you even more to continue doing what it is that you would like to do. Yeah, I like that you mentioned it's a commitment because we've said before, you all see just a glimpse at our lives through social media. You don't see everything. And you know what? There is a lot of sacrifice that goes into these other aspirations besides just teaching. So next question is from Scout1283. How do you manage your time and stay productive in the summer? I feel like we have a reoccurring theme here, Michelle. (laughs) I think it's going to, again, be that summer, that routine. Um, I don't sleep in. Like I kind of commit to myself that I'm just going to keep waking up. And so I keep waking up because I know for me, I'm the most productive in the morning. And so I want to utilize that time to the be- to my best. I definitely could go sleeping until, you know, eight o'clock, but I choose not to because I know that that's when I'm able to get so much more done. Plus I like having family time in the afternoon. So I kind of have to build that routine and I have to build that schedule for myself. Um, now, obviously it's summertime. So there are going to be some days where I'm a little bit more flexible with myself and I'm going to say, hey, I don't have to like, you know, go anywhere. I'm just going to throw everything out of the window and I'm just going to keep, you know, have a fun day. That's fine. But when we have all those fun days consecutively and we don't really stop, um, that's when we're going to start realizing that our summer is not as productive as we want it to be. So I think really you have to look at it as the majority of me maintaining some sort of a schedule, which I maintain a work schedule, and then um, throwing in some fun days here and there so that you can also enjoy your summer um, and don't feel as though, you know, you've wasted it just working. Utilize that power list in the summer. So every day I have my list of three things that I absolutely have to get done. And some days they're smaller tasks and some days they're bigger tasks. But it just helps me to be able to focus my energy to make sure at the end of the day when I go to bed, have I accomplished something? Have I gotten something done? Have I moved myself closer to the goals that I have? And, you know, like I said, some days it might be just a couple of small things. It might just be calling and making appointments. But By the time I go to bed, I'm like, you know what? I at least got something done today. And I think the more you do that, the more motivated you are to continue. It's those little accomplishments. I love it. All right. So this is from Teaching in the Golden State. And the question is, how much prep time do you have a week? And how do your contract hours compare to the student hours that you have? All right. So in terms of prep time, I have an hour of planning a day but it's only four days a week. So one day a week, I have my kids literally all day. I do not have any planning time. So it comes out to about four hours per week. And then for contract hours, I have to be at school by, I think it's 
ugh, they change our hours literally every single year. It used to be 8.05. I think this past year it was 8.15. Now our students don't come in until 9.05. So we're there about 50 minutes before they are. And that's when we have a lot of our meetings. Sometimes it's like 5.04 IEP meetings. Sometimes it's staff meetings. Sometimes it's committee meetings. And then the students are are dismissed from 3.45 to 4.15. So I have to stay until 4.15 and then after that I'm done. So we do come in before the students, but then once the students are gone, then we're able to leave. So we don't have any time after that. I think this is always a really interesting question because I like kind of hearing people's schedules and seeing what they have and comparing it to what I do. Um, So for me, my prep time, I have 40 minutes every week um, or every day. I'm sorry. So 40 minutes every single day. um, And we have ours at the in the, at the end of our day. Um, we also have a 40 minute lunch. So I'm going to throw that in there because I will be honest, I use my lunch time, um, to be in my classroom and to work. So I use my 40 minutes for lunch and the kids recess to be able to do that. So really I have 40 minutes in the morning, kind of 40 minutes in the afternoon. And then my contract hours, I have to be at school at eight o'clock. Um, the bell rings for students to start coming to class at 8.40. So we have about a 40 minute uh, time frame there where we are in either collaborations or meetings. Um, or some days we have those kind of to ourselves. It just kind of depends on the cycle day. And then um, I am able to leave right after the kids do. I think like buses are not even out and I can leave. So the kids end up leaving at three. I think my kids walk out of my room by like 340. 345 is when I'm able to leave my classroom. It's interesting you brought up lunch because we only have 25 minutes for lunch. So we have less time during, you know, that chunk of time and we have to do lunch duty certain days of the week. So I think overall it ends up being about the same amount of time. It just looks very different in different schedules. Yeah. Okay. Last question. And I strategically picked this one to be last, Bridget, because I feel like it's just such an overarching question. Oh, okay. So this is from DeShiel Burke Official. What is the biggest time-saving tip you can give? Oh my gosh, this is such a hard one. Um, well, <laughs> I think... Oh, Michelle, why did you do that to me? I'm sorry. Do you want me to answer first? I mean, I feel like people are expecting this huge... Like revolutionary. Yes. (laughs) And it's really not going to be. I mean, personally... I would say batching. I think batching is the number one thing that I have implemented that has saved me so much time. And especially because it fits into so many aspects of my life. So if you don't know what batching is, we do have a full episode on it. I don't remember what the episode is, but we'll have it linked in the show notes. But basically batching is completing similar tasks all at one time. So I utilize batching when I'm grading. I utilize batching when I'm lesson planning. But outside of teaching, Bridget and I batch our podcast episodes. We'll sit down and record several podcast episodes at once. Did you find what episode number it is? Yes, it is episode uh, 008, Get More Done Using One Simple Trick. Okay, spoiler alert, that one simple trick is batching. (laughs) But, you know, I will batch YouTube videos. I will batch grocery shopping. I remember there was a time where I would grocery shop like two or three times throughout the week because I never got everything all at once. And that wasted so much time. Now, Billy and I go grocery shopping on Sunday and we get all of our groceries for the week and that's it. And I just feel like it's that one tip that you can really apply to every aspect of your life. And when you 
actually implement it because I know there's some people out there who kind of like half do it. You know what I mean? Like they kind of do it and then they stop doing it and they're like, I'm not seeing results. Well, duh, because you have to consistently do it and do it the right way. When you actually batch stuff, you will be amazed at how much time it saves you. Yeah. No, I like that answer. And I think I would just like rather stick with that. I'm just kidding. I'm going to actually give <laughs> my own idea. <laughs> but I do think that that's probably the best answer um, that we as Michelle and I can both give you. But I think for me, the other biggest time saving tip is going to be having a schedule planned for the day, the day before. Um, so that's kind of a big thing for me is that I typically have moments where I feel as though I'm super flustered or I don't really know what I should be doing or I don't really kind of have a plan and I can't really think of what I need to be doing. So it's really important for me if I go ahead and plan out here are the things that I really want to be able to accomplish for the day, the day before and not like the evening before. I'm talking about like once I'm finished with the task that I've wanted to complete, I'm going to go ahead and think of what is it that I need to now do for the next day. Um, and one of the biggest things, and I feel like I'm cheating because I'm doing two almost. I'm so sorry. But I think that she's laughing at me. But I feel like for me, though, is like planning out my projects allows me to really identify the tasks. So by having kind of those two little pieces, it makes it easier for me to kind of stay focused and be able to get more done for the day versus me feeling like a fish out of water and not really knowing what, I, what it is that I should be doing. Okay, cheater. So let's <laughs> go ahead and I'm sorry. <laughs> I love you. I Guys, promise. she is so unbelievably competitive. <laughs> unbelievably well, competitive. <laughs> I mean, yes, but I'm also a rule follower. Okay. <laughs> that so too. That make true. sure that you check out our website in order to stay up to date. We would love for you to leave a comment on this episode. So if you go to our website, click podcast up at the top, you will see a list of all the episodes. If you go to this episode, you can actually leave a comment. If you have any organization or productivity questions, go ahead and leave them there because we might end up using those in the future episodes that are coming. And while you're on our website, also go ahead and submit your TSH, your time-sucking hurdle. We're especially looking for some summer TSHs. So if you have something that is really sucking your time this summer, go ahead and let us know because you might be featured in a future episode. And guys, we would love it if you were to leave a review on iTunes. It really does allow our podcast to get into the ears of so many other teachers out there and really kind of help benefit them and getting a little bit more life back into their day. So thank you guys so much for listening. Until next time, be timely, stay organized, and be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.